Welcome to Life on Mars, a podcast about technology, entrepreneurship, and innovation. You will listen to stories of the best founders, inventors, experts, and celebrities from all around the galaxy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Life on Mars. And in this episode, I will be talking to my two co-founders and partners and best friends, Xavi, who's the CTO and co-founder of the company, and Jordi, our director of operations. We'll be answering some of the questions that our community has sent us. A little while ago, we published a blog post. We do it every year about the lessons learned from every year, what we learn about financials, hiring, technology, and whatnot. And this year, we specifically asked that you send questions about what you want to learn about the company. Is there something that you'd like to find out a little bit more? Lore, uh, funny stories, or learnings, and whatnot, right? So we'll be answering a little bit of those questions, like we did in the same episode in our Spanish edition podcast. So without further ado, I'll leave you with this episode. Let's go. Xavi, Jordi, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Well, very, very well. Um, it's good to be here again. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Everything's fine. Great. So to give a little bit of context to the audience in this episode, what we're going to do is to be answering some of the questions that you have sent, our community has sent to, to us. We recently turned seven years old as a company, and we asked our audience to send some questions. What do you want to know about Marspace? What, what things do you want to learn more about? Is it like our technological part, our finance part, how we bootstrap the company, our company culture, some internal things, uh, hiring, firing? I don't know. And so we got a really long uh, list of questions. We recorded a similar episode for our Spanish edition of the podcast. However, we didn't make it to, not even to the one third of the list. So let, let's see how it goes today. Um, without further ado, let's just start with the first question. I think it's a question for the three of us, which is <laughs> what are the five things? Well, people were asking a lot about what things have been surprising for us during the last four years. I don't know why, but out of the seven years, the last four years, what, what, what do we have learned? during the last four years? <laughs> Who wants to start? Yeah, I, I can start. Um, I guess that there are many, many things, but I would like to highlight that, well, one, one of the things that surprises me the most is that uh, we have a very low rotation of developers at the company. And it's surprising because we are in an industry where um, there is a lot of rotation, right? Uh, developers tend to, to stay in a company maybe for one year, a couple of years, And here at Marsbase, at least, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last person who left the company did it like four years ago. It's yeah. more than a half of the life of the company, yeah. in fact. So it's quite surprising. Um, hopefully, it remains this way, right? Uh, we, we like people uh, staying at the company. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And another thing that I would like to highlight as well is that we are a company that we are constantly trying to improve th things, right? Um, and it's always, um, I mean, it always amazes me a bit. Uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Because if, if you see. are constantly impro improving things, maybe it's because you are not doing them very well uh, at the first place, right? But, but yeah, uh, we do these company get-togethers from time to time, and we always um, summarize a bit the improvements that we did. And we end up always with very, very big lists of, of, of improvements, changes, and, and I guess it's in, in our DNA a bit, right? Xavi, how are you? Yes, yes, as Jordi said, it's very surprising that we have that 
low rotation in our company. And, and I was trying to think, how is it? So what are the reasons that you believe that? What are the reasons behind this, Alex? Why do you think that we have so, so low rotation? I mean, um, just to give, to give context, uh, so the last person to walk out of the company was Fran in September. Yes, and he moved to... 17. He yes, went to GitLab. I mean, yeah, when, when you go to GitLab, it's like, hats off, motherfucker. Like, you know, it's a really good company. It's, uh, you know, one of the leading mm -hmm. Rails companies out there. And, and of course, um, you know, everybody wants to work in a, in a company like GitLab, right? So, but yeah, after that, I don't know. Like, uh, I think in my, in my experience, uh, of course, we're founders of the company. So uh, we cannot leave that, um, that easily. But as like the developers, I think that a lot of them share that they were working in, they were not working in the hottest startups all the time, right? So mm -hmm. there are different kinds of developers. And I don't, I don't think that we attract the kind of developer that, you know, is working for one year for Global and then one year for Typeform and then one year for Skyscanner and then one year for this other one because they do all the shiny things and they probably, they raise a lot of money. So they pay like uh, better salaries and I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think we don't attract these kind of people. We attract more like the kind of people that, I mean, come to think of it, I think that most of our developers are around their 40s. They're all married. They all have children. So they want to have stability. They want to be working mm -hmm. in a strong company culture eight hours a day and and that's it. And like have a very good, stable um, uh, work environment, right? Uh, which I think in part is uh, something that's very ingrained in our In our company culture, so yeah, that that is very surprising, actually. So yes, I imagine. Also, yes, I sorry. imagine that if you want if you want rock stars, you get rock stars, and being able to manage a team of rock stars is not is not that easy. So yes, I imagine that we are searching for some some kind of people mm -hmm. which which have different 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 motivations in their in their in their works besides jumping between one company and the other one. Okay, so back to the topic that, that we are having about what surprised uh, us most yeah, about our, our experience at, at Mars Based. Um, one of the things that I think that surprised me most is that when we started Mars Based, me as the CTO of the company, I believe that one of the most important things of the company was the tech side of the company. Okay, being able to do things very, very good at the, at the tech part being able to, you know, do all the automatic testing, all the code reviews, focusing on performance and so on. And with time, um, we have realized that maybe this is not what clients value most about us. And it's more yeah. like the human thing or our human side, what, what our clients uh, value most. For example, the way that we, that we uh, solve conflicts in, in the, in the, In, inside a project, the way that we manage their expectations, their new request, the way that we communicate, because we like to communicate often and communicate, um, you know, like, like um, very detailed with their own words, not trying to use very technical, mm -hmm. technical descriptions and definitions. And I think that this is something that they appreciate a lot, that we are not only like doing their tech stuff, But also they can trust us and they know that we will act as their partners and not only as, as you know, as, as, as a developer or as, or as a single employee. And this is something that, that surprises me a lot because I think that all the companies like ours, all the consultancies, dev agencies will need to focus a lot more in this, in this 
soft skills, right? Not only the tech skills. Yeah, now that you mention it, uh, maybe that's also part of the reason why developers stay for that long, because we also can stay on top of things very often or can we can be very hands-on in you know resolving the conflicts or like you know being uh, present in their day-to-day and maybe they don't feel like a number like in a bigger company i don't know well, what do you think well there is a lot of there is a there is a thing that a lot of um a lot of people that i interview for hiring them uh, to mars base they appreciate a lot and it's that you who are the people the person who is in charge of sales and and well not only the the CEO of the company but also but also in charge of sales and marketing and so on you yeah. are also a, a a computer engineer and this is something that 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 they are very surprised about it because they say okay finally there is the people who is managing the business who knows who knows about the business and who knows what it's to be like developing code, you know, from from mm-hmm. from eight to five. I, even myself, right? Yes, even Jordi uh, yeah. knows knows because how to wait, wait. how to it, do it some took, technical it, stuff. It took it took seven years for you to acknowledge the fact that I'm a developer as well. So and you have to do it in a <laughs> podcast. Thank you, Chai. <laughs> well, but 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 I never acknowledged this because you know I I didn't want you to touch any code at Mars Base. This was my exactly. responsibility. Exactly. Uh, I, I remember when we created the company and um, this is a bit of Marsplace lore and I think the developers will appreciate this. Um, you, you two, because you had been working together and, and we were deciding what technology we were going to use for the projects, right? And you're like, Ruby and Angular. I was like, oh, but I don't know any of these two. I'm a Java developer. <laughs> and you said, oh, no, 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 you will not be coding. Like literally the company will go well if you don't code, if you don't touch a single line of code. Because okay. also you didn't you, you didn't want to speak with people you didn't want to travel you didn't want to meet clients and so uh, somebody had to do it right so you okay, forced Alex, me you to wanted, be in the sales Alex team. you wanted to do Java with with Liferay it was yeah correct Liferay yes so so imagine <laughs> imagine <laughs> we would be a very very uh, different company yes. um, for for these like circling back to the question um, another thing that is I think I don't know if it's like the most surprising thing but one of the things that is surprising is the the quality of the deal flow that we get, right? Even though from the very beginning, big companies have been contacting us, right? Even since like the first, second year, I mean, you know, take it or leave it, like some, some companies are bigger than others that have contacted us, right? But recently we started working for HP. Uh, back in the day, we did the procurement process for, for Orange. Uh, we have done it for FC Barcelona. We have done it for... And Everdis, we had been working for Everdis for, like, we're still working for Everdis after, after, what, two or three years? Um, you know, and they contact us mostly through our website. Like, these big companies find us through the website, which is really ridiculous because we're not that big. And even though we have been doing SEO since the very beginning of the company, I've been very anal about it, it's true that we don't have a huge website. We don't have a huge brand. Like... I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if you didn't think about it, but like the quality of the companies coming up our way is like pretty interesting. At least the ones that come through the website, not through networking our context. Yeah, it's quite quite surprising. Uh, I agree with you on that on that topic, um, especially uh, considering that we don't have a specific marketing uh, person at the company. You know, uh, dealing with all of this at the end. Uh, you, Alex, take care of almost all the all the marketing, all the website changes, and uh, and yeah, it's it's awesome. 
All right, uh, let's go for the second question now. Um, this is a very, it's a very topical question. Like everybody gets this question in interviews. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you had to start from scratch today, how would you do things differently, right? Uh, I, I know, I think I know your answers, but I want to hear them. Who wants to start? Jordi, you want to start first? Well, you know that my answer is a bit boring, uh, <laughs> but it's the true, I guess. Um, I wouldn't change many, many things at the company, at least not the big, the big decisions, right? Of course, we have made mistakes in projects or in, in other areas of the company that I would do differently. But at the end, uh, the big decisions, the big, the big uh, aspects of the company, uh, I don't regret any, any of them. Um, I mean, uh, otherwise, uh, the company would be different. We wouldn't be in the place where we are right now. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm quite proud about uh, the, the course that we have followed. So I wouldn't really change anything, anything important. What do you think, Xavi? Would you change anything? Would you start doing Life Ray? No. Yeah, no. If you could go back. PHP, would you do PHP this time around? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. I, I completely agree with Jordi. I think that when... Well, it's true that maybe we have taken some decisions that maybe they were not, not the best decisions when you take a look back, right, at the past. Mm -hmm. But um, even with knowing that, I believe that when we took those decisions, they were the best possible decisions that we could make with the information that we had. So, yes, I, I, I don't regret anything. And, and I truly believe that people learn from the mistakes that they do. It's that topic that you will hear you will hear from the United States right like like failed often and and fail soon because you will learn a lot from your mistakes mm -hmm. well you need to fail and you need to commit mistakes because if you don't make any mistake you're not going to be growing as a as a as a as a professional and this is what we've been doing all those years maybe i am i am saying that because we haven't got any like massive Fuck up, right? It's. I think that. I can think of a few, though. I can think. I can think of a few, but yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sorry, but not. But not. But not like 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 being. You know, Super like big. like putting in risk the company or 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 yeah. or any of our employees' positions. So we we haven't had one of those situations that were like like critical for us. Or maybe I, I, I didn't experience them because I'm not selling, you know? I, I, yeah. I don't need to take care about that. But I don't know, Alex, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, my, my answer is very much aligned with what you were saying. Although, you know, we have had our share of regrettable decisions, right? Let's put it that way. You said, like, we didn't have any major fuck-ups. Like, well, I remember a couple of clients not paying and they still owe us a lot of money, right? <laughs> Uh, of course, it was a calculated risk. I think that one of the best things we do is to calculate risks very well. And if we took those risks and they went wrong, it's because we could afford them, right? Um, I mean, not to go into too much detail, but, you know, in the early years of a company, some clients started, like, not paying. And then we said, like, oh, we're going to give them a little bit more of credit and whatever. So work for a few weeks more because we don't have any other projects. So, and then eventually they didn't pay. Right. So or they had been paying for a couple of years and then uh, they stopped paying um, out of blue and we lost a lot of money. But we could afford it. It's yeah. shit because that year, like especially I think, I think it was like the third year we didn't have profits <laughs> as a company because of that. But it was a calculated decision. And other times we've taken the same thing. 
and the same decision, and it went well. So it's a matter of calculating risk, right? Uh, look, we're a fairly conservative company, um, and I think that, as you said, as you pointed out, every time, <laughs> every single time, we have taken the, the decision with the best information that we had, right? And so I would do pretty much everything the same way that we've done it because that would guarantee us that we arrive at the same place. And this is a very good place to be. So, yeah. Um, That's all that matters at the end. I mean, it's impossible to predict the future. So probably if we would be back at that point, maybe we would uh, have taken the same, the same decision. Uh, so it's always difficult. Um, in any case, uh, one thing that um, that uh, some people asked you a few years ago, Alex, a bit related to this, is if you regretted uh, not doing mobile development earlier at the company, right? Mm. Uh, do you, in that in that moment, if I remember correctly, you said that in fact you regretted uh, not starting earlier, right? Because at the beginning we were just a web development agency and we we didn't do any kind of mobile development, right? Uh, do you still think the same or have you changed your mind in that in that sense? Yeah, I, I remember when I said that it was at an, uh, at an event at Makers of Barcelona and somebody, uh, you know, I got questions from the audience and one of them is like, what's your biggest regret? And I thought like back then, which would have been 2019, 28, uh, 2018, I think, we were starting to do mobile, right? As you said, like we started web only, And a couple of years later, um, a friend of mine, Laura, hired us for a project. And we, we did the initial consulting and we said, okay, you can solve this problem that you have in your company with technology. Yes, but it, it will have to be a mobile app. But we sadly, we don't do mobile. And she was like, no, but you will do mobile. Like I will hire you because I will not hire anybody else. It's got to be you, right? And... You know, it was a very it was a very interesting project. We learned a lot. Um, we did it with uh, Ionic, which at the time was not the best technology. But you know, there are several considerations here. First of all, is when we started the company, twenty fourteen, it was still very, very, um, let's say, very interesting <laughs> to go into mobile development, right? Because there were still a lot of like mobile apps, and everybody wanted to have their app. It's not like nowadays that. You know, not every company develops their app right now, but back then it was very hot. It was a very hot market. And we could have had developed, we could have developed for Rakuten. They wanted to hire us to do mobile, but we didn't do mobile, right? So in a, in a way, yeah, I regretted it. Um, but now having seen the experience of <coughs> development in the company with these kind of projects that, you know, they require different kinds of developers. They require different kinds of tools. They require different kinds of processes and, I don't know. I'm not that sure right now. I think that we because we've got so much deal flow in the web part and maybe mobile is a little bit not so trendy nowadays that yeah. I'm not I'm not that convinced right now. I might have yes. changed my mind. What I am sure Alex now is that a lot of Ionic developers are now angry at you because you have said <laughs> that it was not a good technology back in the day. But, yeah. but well, I need. I the need, second uh, version was better, though. We yes, the second that. version yeah. was but, way better. Uh, and yeah. and and currently, Ionic, we haven't tested the latest 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 version, but it looks yeah. very promising. No, uh, no, but this is true. Ionic was a new technology back in the day, and we were coming from from 
from other frameworks that were not uh, as good as the as the ecosystem that we have right now. Okay, because because I think that yes, the first version of Ionic was based on PhoneGap, and PhoneGap was a technology that had a lot of problems. So yes, I can I can understand yeah. you. But when you said that it was not a good piece of technology, I think that it was a good piece of technology, given the limitations that that mm, that yeah. we were dealing dealing with at that time. That were a lot of limitations. And the ecosystem of like plugins and stuff was not as rich as it is nowadays. Then you know, for the second version, if I remember correctly, Ionic, they raised money. They raised like I don't know, 20, 30, 40 millions, and then they. They turn it into like a real project or more like a more solid project. Sorry, I'm, I'm not picking the, the best words today, <laughs> but uh, but uh, what it turned to be like a like a, let's say a project of a few people, then it became like a, a, a bigger company, right? And of yes, course now they, they started, are advancing. Yes, yeah. they started developing their own their own plugins ecosystem to not rely on the on the whole Cordova ecosystem, which was what well, yeah, um, well was was like like like. Sometimes you had luck, and sometimes you you read some some pieces of software that that were terribly terribly made. Yeah, but I remember, like for instance, for the project, and not for this project, but I think it was the project of Aparkango, if I remember correctly, uh, that we had a problems with the with the how was it called the. Um, yes, the geolocation. Ge- yes, geolocation, right? And the plugin was not that great, and you know we had to kind of like. Uh, work around it and to improve it manually a little bit ourselves. So, you know, all in all, I, I don't know yeah. if the outcome has been exactly super positive. I think it is because we created like some really cool projects, like the ones for like a DPL or, or a park and go. But, um, you know, eventually that made us uh, take the decision of starting new mobile projects with React Native. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see in a couple of years. Yes. We paid the fee. I think when, when we started, we paid the fee of, of, of not, uh, knowing enough about the whole mobile ecosystem. But well, maybe also, we can... Oh, yeah, yes. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also, um, before moving on to the next question, one thing that you get to hear a lot is like, oh, if you develop in Ionic or React Native, you can use JavaScript developers for that. And it's not entirely true. I mean, my feeling is that, you know, when you have to start tweaking like the real meat and potatoes of every project, you will need to touch the native part of mobile and not the JavaScript part. So it's not exactly true. I mean, it's improving over the years, but uh, I think that's that's one of these these mm, sort of like fake truths that we have been hearing all along. But I don't know. What's your take, Xavi? Yes, the more, the more complex a mobile application is, the more mm, native mobile development knowledge you need to have in order to to succeed. And this happens with all the companies. If you if you start listening to stories about, you know, the Airbnb was the most relevant one, right? That they were running on top of React Native and they wanted to change, if I yeah. if I remember yeah. correctly. And and with Airbnb, the problem is that they found out that they were always like writing native code and they were not getting anything in exchange of using JavaScript on top of it. So they decided to get rid of the JavaScript layer. I think that well, I'm speaking about the the times of Ionic two and 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 the first React Native applications. It's been a while since we haven't developed a a, a mobile a mobile application with the newest version of those of those frameworks. Maybe those are different now, but mm-hmm. I'm really sure that if you I if you are developing something using a framework that it tries to run on top of another piece of software 
or or another framework. It is true that that you will need to understand what's going on under the hood in order to be successful yeah. because you will fi- find a lot a lot of um, difficult bugs to solve. You will find a lot of situations where you will need to go and and see you know how is connecting your React Native application or your or your Ionic application to the to the native um, to the native environment. And if you don't have knowledge about how this application is being built, how this bridge is being made between the two frameworks, it's very difficult that you can that you can do some complex stuff. And but well, it is true that if you are facing an application which is fairly simple, that you don't need to use a lot of well, that you don't have a lot of a lot of um, performance requirements, that you don't need to use a lot of native capabilities like advanced things, like like what you mentioned, geolocalization or geofences or, or or things like that. Then yes, I think that you can rely entirely on on hybrid frameworks and they will work just fine. Perfect. Um, now that's that's very good. Let's move to the next question because I remember that we had a very very good when we recorded this in Spanish. We had very very good answers and that provided for a lot of debate. But what I'm liking is that we're getting we're saying similar but also different stuff in the in this English version, which is which is really cool. Um, um, this is a tricky question because it said um, as you're entering the 80th year, this often means big changes in a company. And I remember like why the eighth year means big changes in the company, probably because startups or companies die at the seventh year. So we made it for now we made it. Um, so it's whether we, we are thinking about an exit from the founders, right? So how do we see ourselves and the team in the future? Well, um, we created Marsbase as a lifestyle business. I think that's something that we, uh, yeah agreed on at the beginning and um, it's kind of um, the place where we always wanted to work in right so we tried to create the company this way uh, because we were a bit tired of working on other consultancies and seeing things that were not working properly or at least like we we like it right and we never thought of creating the company to sell it or anything it was always because of uh, the way we wanted to work Right. So I don't really envision a lot of changes at the company in the upcoming years, uh, but mostly because I think that we will have to put a lot of energy into trying to keep the company as it is. Right. So I think it's not changing anything is is a a challenge in itself. Right. Because sometimes uh, situations tend to uh, take you to other roads or take other decisions. And I think that uh, one of the most important challenges that we will have is uh, how to keep the company, you know, working as it's working right now, maybe grow a bit, but, uh, you know, keep the same philosophy, the same policies, the same, the same way of working. And uh, I think it will be difficult. It will be difficult. And and, uh, it's a, it's a challenge that we will have to, to take. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I guess that we are not going to change much, at least in my opinion. I don't know what Xavi thinks. Maybe he wants to change everything now. No. And uh, surprises me, but... <laughs> no, I don't want to change a lot of stuff. I don't want to start a new company either. Because one yeah. of the things that I think when, when people say, okay, are you planning to sell Mars Base or doing something different? It's like, okay, having to start all over again 
with a smaller team, you know, having to do everything on your own. Whoa, <laughs> it looks hard. It's like, for example, um, now I have a kid of five years old. And if you ask me, would you like to have another kid? It will be like, oh, yes, I would like to. But oof, yeah. it's a lot of effort, right, in doing it. And, and the same happens with Mars Based. It's like, yes, I would love to do another company focused in another, I don't know, in other technologies or, or like a fresh start. Yes, it will be nice, but it requires a lot of effort that maybe I am not, I am not, um, or, or I don't want to do right, right now. So I prefer to put all of my energy in turning Mars Base the best possible uh, company around. And one of, the, one of the cool things that Jordi said is that when we started Mars Base, it was because we wanted to create a company where do we wanted to work in, right? And, yeah, and this reminds me on, on one very important thing at Mars Base, which is when we are working for other companies, when we had um, some problem, we went to our bosses, we explained our problems to our bosses, and then our bosses ignored us most of the time, okay? <laughs> but now we have the power. Not always. Yes, not, not always. always. You're projecting here. <laughs> yes, because Jordi was my boss in one of in, All right. in one of my <laughs> companies. So. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Oh. That's why I said Yes, that's always. why. You know, no, but, always, but, but you know, one of the cool things of, of having a company, and the reason why I tell a lot of people that starting a company is hard, but it pays off, is because... Um, you have the power to take decisions, right? And to change things. So if there is something that you don't like about your company, you have the power to change it. And this is something that maybe a lot of people who are founders of company, they don't realize about that about it. And they continue doing the things the way that they were doing it because, you know, because it's it's what it used to work. But um, I think that we that we really know that we have this power of changing things and we and we and we do it. And for that reason, we have a lot of things that we can that we can improve, and that we will be trying to improve in the in the in the following years. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Alex? Um, from from my side, there's a, there's a couple of things actually. Uh, one of them I already answered in the Spanish edition of the podcast, but but I think I will also be giving something special for this one, something else that I I just I just thought about right Exclusive. now. Exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah. I mean. Because you know the um, we are uh, we are very involved in the startup ecosystem, right? And a lot of people still think that we are a startup, and we're not. We're not a startup. We are a lifestyle business. You 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 pointed it really well, Jordi. Um, however, you know people still think that in the ABC of entrepreneurship, you create a company, you raise funds, you sell the company, and you make millions. Uh, but that's not quite the way in consultancies, right? And even though consultancies get sold that they are not very good business, right? Because, um, you know, in startups, if you have a product, you have like some, uh, you know, some really cool technology or like huge teams or like very good financials, whatever. It's very, it's, it, it's like a very good sale. But consultancies, unless you're a really big player and you're dominant in a market or a technology, you will not get sold. I mean, the, nobody's going to get us and nobody's going to acquire us for our clients, Much respect to our clients, but I think like, you know, a lot of the clients we work for, other other companies work for, right? Even if we work for HP, a lot of companies work for HP. It's not like they will acquire us to work for HP. 
And that's one. The second, the second thing is maybe they want to acquire us for our team, and that would be very legit. That would be very valid because our team is uh, is fantastic. It's phenomenal. We got really good developers, and it's very expensive to find developers. And sometimes other companies buy companies because of their teams, right? Um, in that sense, exits for service based based companies are not very good. Are not as ludicrous as you know. We'll not be selling the company for a hundred million or a billion. It would be something much, much more modest. And so I'd rather have, long story short, I'd rather have a revenue-based company and have very profits at the end of the year, very nice profits at the end of the year, than potentially a very good sale in a few years' time. Um, so yeah. that's that's the new part of the answer. But the other part of the answer is the um, what, what I said in the... And I, I probably shared this, uh, this story a couple of times already in, in, in other events, but... When three three years ago, a um, client of ours wanted to acquire us, right? Or we initiated talks. We didn't even want to know. I, but a client of ours said like, hey, would you be interested in selling and merging your company with ours? And we were like, wow, we don't know. But we will take, we'll take the meeting, right? Because we didn't know the protocol back then. We were just, you know, first company, we were like only three years into the company. That was our biggest client. So definitely we didn't want to say no right away because maybe that meant to stop working uh, for them, right? And well, so basically uh, with a good friend of, uh, of mine, we, we did a couple of sessions of like, hey, what's the protocol here? So what do we have to say? What should we say? Should we go to the meeting? Yes, no. Um, should we go all the three founders or... And... We took the meeting with the client, and I remember that by the end of the meeting, I mean, that it was also rushed up, but we didn't have enough time to prepare, the three of us, right? And at the end of the meeting, I remember that we walked, I don't know, 50 meters out of the, office, the client's office. Maybe not far. Less, I think. Not far enough. Maybe just 10 meters or <laughs> Maybe. something like that. Maybe we started dis- discussing this in the, in the elevator. Um, and I remember I, I asked you to... We're not going to sell, but if we sold, what would we be doing in five years' time, right? Um, because there's this uh, permanence clause, and you got to stay in the company that acquires you for a while, maybe one year, two years, three years, I don't know, depends on the, on the offer, right? And I don't remember who of you two said the same company, right? The same kind of company. And, and I said, I- okay, then let's not sell, because what's the point, Right. Yes, I think it was Jordi saying that. Probably. I, yes, I remember yeah. Jordi, and it and it and it fits him. <laughs> and it fits me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no. Yes, it's you know. And and I think it was it was interesting because of course I mean we were only in year three or year four I don't remember right, but it had been very hard to take the company to that level, and we were still not as big as we are today, right? But it's like, do mm-hmm. we really want to start from scratch? <laughs> Deciding on a name, which was very difficult at the beginning, create a logo, website, and start like, you know, hiring other people, finding clients from scratch. I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> like, that sounds too, like a lot of effort. And Alex, you're forgetting one important piece here. Imagine which being one? five years, like following the orders of a different boss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is like losing your independence, right? And this is what makes Mars Bay special, that we can take our own decisions that if we don't like to work with a specific client for some specific reason, 
we can say no, we don't want to work with you because of this and because of mm. that. But if you are yeah. if you are acquired for another company, maybe you don't have that chance. And losing that, it means losing a a lot of power. No, and that that's yeah. that's a very interesting point. And actually, the reason why we decided we wouldn't want to do that is because mostly it was a culture clash. So we couldn't be remote anymore. We couldn't be specialized in Ruby and Angular. We couldn't share our PNL uh, and financials with our employees. We had to lose a lot of stuff. And what for, right? Potentially some extra yeah. extra money for the three of us. Not worth it, man. Yeah, the philosophy of, of that company was very, very different than our philosophy. So I imagine that it helped uh, a bit as well uh, and taking this decision. And I couldn't be working. Maybe I couldn't be working with a T-shirt or just like <laughs> I couldn't be able to, to wake up at 10 a.m. every morning. So I had to go back to more like regular shadows. But <laughs> we really didn't. Yeah, really didn't want to go into that. Now, let's go for the next question. The next question is very technical. So maybe Chavi want to start with this one, which is, you know, we've always been known for betting hard on Ruby and Rails. We started as a Ruby, not Ruby only, but Ruby Angular in 2014. And Ruby, up, up until recently, has always been our only backend uh, language, right? So are we still a Ruby Rails powerhouse? And how much of the business is running on this nowadays? Yes, of course we are. And, and we will continue being it. And <clears throat> this is because the same reasons that we had back in the day to choose Ru Ruby um, apply nowadays. Ruby, it, it's, a, it's a very good language with a very big community uh, where you can find um, a lot of resources, documentation, a lot of third-party libraries which are maintained. And this is one important, one important point because uh, you can find a lot of different languages and frameworks and so on. But then you need to take a look if the libraries that they are writing for these languages and frameworks are maintained or not. How big is the team maintaining those software? One of the good things about Ruby is that it has Ruby on Rails. And I will say that 95% of the web applications built with Ruby are built on top of Ruby on Rails. And the good thing is that there is a very big ecosystem around Ruby and Ruby on Rails. And this leads to having a lot of software available that is well-maintained. And this is something that it's difficult to find in other environments. If you go into the PHP world, you will find that you have different ones, right? You have Symfony, you have Laravel, you have, you have different kinds of, of, of frameworks. If you go, to, if you go to, to the JavaScript world, when you have a lot more of, of, of fragmentation, right? Um, this is something good for a business like ours because uh, we can get senior if the we can get senior in the framework and in the language. This also have some 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 bad stuff that maybe everything is you know is it's like like mm, like around Ruby on Rails and this can make mm, some developers like wanted to try new things right uh, and yes there are, there are some. I, I don't want to say that there are no alternatives to Ruby on Rails because you have you have an AMI, you have you have other other frameworks, right? And, and Sinatra and so on. But but 
the vast majority of, of developers, of Ruby developers are using Ruby on Rails. Um, say this, um, <laughs> Ruby on Rails, it is now more or less the 50% of our business, okay? Because as you know, um, uh, web applications have been evolving a lot on the front-end side and JavaScript has been more and more necessary. We started with Angular, we moved from Angular version 1 to Angular version 2 and, 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 and above. And uh, we adopted React 2 for the, for the front-end front -end part. And um, we decided that it was also a good idea to be able to provide backend development in JavaScript by, by adding Node.js into our, into our tech stack. And now we have a very interesting, interesting team where we have people that is only focused, focused on the Rails backend part. Then we have all the developers which know a little bit of Rails, a little bit of React or Angular. We have some people who are only, um, who are only like uh, experienced in, in JavaScript frameworks, both front-end and backend, or even only front-end or only backend. And this is a good thing because it allows us to, you know, to provide like interesting things to all of our developers. Maybe we have some Rails developers that they want to try to build something in Node.js. We can do that. Also, we have some clients that they prefer to have a, a, a web application written full stack in JavaScript with JavaScript in the backend and both in, and, and also in the frontend. We can provide that. And it's been good for the company to have that. But I don't see Ruby on Rails disappearing from Mars based anytime soon. No, we love Ruby on Rails, right? Yes, as much as we love other languages. We love the, fi the philosophy underneath it and uh, how it works and so on. And there's, and there's another thing that uh, coming from the business perspective, right? And uh, it just dawned on me that I don't remember the last time that we did a... a Ruby project that had an end date, right? All of our clients nowadays from Ruby, they come from a long way back. Like think of it, like localistic has been like what three years, been a couple years, nice six years, uh, Zaptails five years. So it's like, and we still keep working for them. Whereas the JavaScript, that's more like the exception. And the JavaScript projects, they tend to have like a start and finish date. And um, and Ruby is is exactly the contrary. So I I don't know why, but like. I think that maybe, you know, uh, may, maybe clients, they value the expertise that we've got in, in Ruby on Rails. And they if they find a like a good agency, probably we are fewer agencies like doing Ruby on Rails. And so they find a, a good one, one that works. They want to keep us in the loop. Like they want to keep us like busy forever because uh, otherwise, I don't know. I don't know. I just like, I thought about it like right now, literally it just occurred to me and... <laughs> Um, well, well, um, yeah, I guess that at the end, uh, JavaScript frameworks are more mainstream right now, and therefore uh, there are more companies starting new projects in, in, in JavaScript frameworks, and there is as well uh, more developers uh, doing, doing JavaScript, right? So, so yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense that um, Ruby on Rails clients uh, tend to stay longer um, and, and keep working with us while JavaScript clients has a more alternatives, right? More, more, more offer. Uh, they can choose. Some, some of them want to have their own team. 
and, uh, and whatever. But in any case, uh, we have uh, good long clients in, in, in each of, of these cases. So um, it's not something that worries me at all or anything. Yes, also no. I think that it's a... That, that it's a matter of the kind of clients that we're getting for for each of the technologies, mm. right? Because technologies has been on the on the road for so many years, okay. Um, and what I said, yes, with rails, we it's been it's been on yeah. the road for 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 so many years. And most of the clients that we are receiving are clients which have their platform already developed. They have their ecosystem built with rails. And they need an extra pair of hands, right? In order to in order to continue developing their their application, and those kind of clients are the ones that they don't want to risk things. If they if they find a provider that they like and that they value, right. they want to stick with them. And this is what's happening with us. This is the reason why we're working with Localistico, with Nice, with the with the clients that you have mentioned, because mm, you have your business built in a technology. <clears throat> And you know what you want, you want what you need, and you know what you don't want, right? And when you find something that, that works for you, you want, to, you want to stay with them, right? And, and with JavaScript, it happen, what happens is that it's a more like, like um, well, moving ecosystem, right? That, that uh, maybe there is one client who wants to start an MVP or, or a business with a JavaScript stack because they have their own developers already already hired and and maybe they want you to help them for a for a short period of time and then and then they move on with the, with their own team or there are like different scenarios but if you remember when we started with Ruby on Rails uh, back in in 2014 yeah we had more projects like the ones that you mentioned that were that were like um, short time projects where you started, you finished, and yeah. then the, the client took took care about those projects. So I think that it's just yeah. a matter of of <clears throat> of how much time has been this technology like like kicking off. Yeah. In in general, um, my feeling is that uh, Ruby on Rails developers and, and companies doing Ruby on Rails are more faithful, right? Because they do Ruby on Rails because they love the lang the language. Uh, and in the case of uh, JavaScript, there is, of course, people that love the language, but there is also people doing JavaScript just because it's trendy, because it's popular right now, because it is what you have to do, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a, a, a small difference uh, be between them. Um, but in terms of deal flow, for instance, I'm seeing that we've got, uh, maybe I think we have more Ruby, but maybe it's also because we cannot... Uh, we cannot get all these projects into the company because we don't have we have normally we have less capacity for Ruby than for JavaScript because our Ruby developers tend not to free up that often, right? So, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't be worried about that. So, if the person sending this question wants to create a, a Ruby consultancy, I think there's market for for him or her, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, and and speaking about technologies, I think we, we got time for another another question that we we also answered the other day. Is that, and that's also a technological one, uh, Xavi. So, what are the recent technologies that you have seen giving you a best bang for for your buck? Uh, um, um, and what have been the ones that have been uh, that they have disappointed you the most? Okay, let's start by yes. Let's start by the <laughs> yeah. by the disappointing ones because we have partly. This is where we lose followers, and no, I know no, the no. I know the answer. No, but, because uh, we have still... we have partly we have partly answered this question. Uh, yeah. 
just before in this episode. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that one of the things that disappointed us more was was the hybrid uh, mobile app development frameworks such as Ionic or React Native at the beginning. And it's not because they were like back technologies. It's it's um, it's for the reasons that you mentioned before, Alex, because they had this strong marketing uh, slogans like saying, "Okay, you only need to 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 know about web development and JavaScript in order to produce like top quality mobile applications," and this was not true. Okay, and and this is the reason why we got disappointed because we really believed that we could do. Um, outstanding mobile application just by knowing JavaScript and, and, and web development. And we needed to invest a lot of time and a lot of effort into knowing how to develop native applications in order to, to succeed with some of the projects that we, that, we, that we did. And yes, we succeed. And those were good projects. But uh, we paid, we paid the, the, the fee, right? And it was not, and it was, it was not for free. <laughs> As for the recent technologies, okay, that that um, they are giving us like like what was the sentence? Best uh, the, the, the expression of best for bang for your buck. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, well, at Mars Base we have we have something which is well, I don't know if it's common for the agencies or not, but we tend to be very conservative when it comes to trying new technologies, okay, because we have. Hmm. Um, we have um, some clients running with specific technologies, specific frameworks. And because of that, we are not very eager on trying new things. Yes, we want to try new things inside the technologies that we are touching. But for example, nowadays, there is a big like boost around functional programming, right? And, 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 and functional programming languages and so on. And a lot of developers are eager to, to test those new those new programming languages, but mm-hmm. we cannot do that because we cannot afford to um, to develop software for clients based on what's trendy or what's recent or not. You know, it, this is very dangerous and risky for us and for our clients because if that person who is learning this new cool technology and applying it into a project then leaves Mars based, we will end up with a project that we need to maintain and we don't know anything about about this technology at all. And this is the reason mm-hmm. why we are quite quite conservative. But um, it is true that when it comes to, for example, um, when it comes to deployments and 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 our development environments, this is one place where we can afford to risk a little bit. And and for us, being able to Dockerize to use Docker for for all of our development environments, it's been like a blast because. Um, for for some smaller companies, um, having to set up a, a client project on your own development machine, it, it seems like okay, this doesn't take a lot of effort, right? But when you have project that that's that they've been running for years and you need you need to install this project again in your development machine and start developing, and maybe you need to lose like you know, like 10 hours or 12 hours um configuring your whole environment is like spending a lot of time, right? And being able to create your Docker environment, Docker development environment, which will be the same um, between all your developers and that it's not going to to age bad, you know? Uh, in 10 years from now, you will be able to run this, this, 
this development environment and 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 do a fix yeah. or do a quick feature right away. This is this is crazy, and it's one of the cool things that we have that that have given us a lot of a lot of um, well, yes, a lot of money for the effort that we put in them. How about the mm-hmm. the the front end part, Jordi? Is there any you want to answer this as well? Is there anything that you have seen that has disappointed you or surprised you greatly in terms of technology? Not, not really, not 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 a lot of things, but yeah, it's a bit uh, weird to me uh, the path that it's being followed in the styling of the projects, mm-hmm. where right now there are a lot of uh, frameworks and developers that. Uh, that uh, code CSS inside components instead of having a uh, separated style sheet where, which was what we learned to do at the beginning, right? Yeah. Uh, we were always told that styles uh, needed to go, you know, in a separate place than markup. And now uh, it seems that all the, all the, <laughs> the roads take to, you know, to uh, code CSS inside, inside components. So Correct. that's a bit uh, weird to me. But it's not, I mean, it, it doesn't need to be bad uh, either. So uh, it's just a bit surprising uh, for a CSS guy like myself, right? And um, on the other hand, one other aspect of, uh, you know, design that I would like to highlight is that uh, new tools like Sketch or Figma um, um, have made that uh, designing projects uh more you know easier than before and uh, it's it's also very surprising how those programs work right now and how you can just design a web application or a mobile application very quickly um, nowadays than uh, uh, before it was uh, much more more difficult uh, no doubt yeah. perfect I think we can wrap it up here. Uh, we got a lot of questions still to answer, but uh, we'll have to do a second or third session as well. So, yeah. well, thank you very much. I uh, really enjoyed this one and uh, I'll, I'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It's been great. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye. We are Mars-based an all-remote consultancy from Barcelona, specializing in web and mobile development. We help all kinds of companies, from startups to big corporations, to conceptualize, design, and develop solutions for their business using technology. And now, how can we help you?